Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Riff and Reed. Check this out. This is the Riff and Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about now. To the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Read. The old cool in the gang from Jersey City. I got to educate the re-education of Gnome Layden, our news director, who doesn't know anything about the city that he now occupies, the Heights in Jersey City. This is the original Cool in the Gang, Papa Bell and his clan. I had to separate the fact that I love the original Cool in the Gang's music, even though they were followers of Scooey Louie Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. I had to do that. But do you think Noam Layden would know that their base of operation was Jersey City? Of course not. Grove Street, when it was populated by gangs and not hipsters and millennials sipping their lattes now. But I digress. Why am I playing this classic song, Hollywood Swinging? Because our city, our police department, our police commissioner, the placebo that she is, Sewell, who was recruited from the ranks of the Nassau County Detectives Department. Well, they got a few dozen members. Suddenly appointed to lead the number one law enforcement agency in America by who else? Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Who in his own 22-year history as a police officer in transit and then out in the streets never busted his shoes. He was a house mouse. Everybody knows that. He never left the precinct. He took the civil service test. He earned his ranks. And then he left when all of a sudden the longest-serving police commissioner in the history of the NYPD, dating back to Teddy Roosevelt, its first one, was moving in on Eric Adams and was going to put him on the shelf because he was involved in hmm, very corrupted practices like fixing tests. So that others uh, who are African-American could move up the ranks to becoming sergeant, lieutenants, captains. Remember, it's civil service. Anyway, I digress here. So the reason I'm playing this is that Sewell, the police commissioner, is completely over her head. As you've heard here, first exclusively, I explained to you her weekly schedule. She is not permitted to meet with her deputy chiefs or chiefs. She has one meeting a week. It's on Sundays with the tainted deputy mayor of public safety, Phil Banks, a confidential informant, the only thing that kept him from going to jail because he ratted out other cops involved in the issuing of carry permit licenses where they wine, dined, and pocket line the cops, trips to Las Vegas, orally getting fixated by hookers, And then whatever you want, you get Phil Banks. 
and he decided the heat was on, so I'm going to rat out the rest of my colleagues and avoid prosecution and resign from the police department, which he did, only to be resurrected and brought back by Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. So police commissioner Sewell gets to meet only with Phil Banks on Sundays. I hope that it's in church and not in a Holiday Inn Express. But the fact is, she's not the shot caller in the police department. Although she has signed a contract for an additional $5 million to a uh, PR agency, not in New York City, of which we have many PR agencies, but once again out in Hollywood to help recruit badly needed police officers. As I've been telling you on a regular basis, the cops that you see in the subways that the Eric Adams Republican Sid Rosenberg constantly talks about as he kisses the mayor's tuchus are there because of double and triple overtime. Uh, as per the orders of Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, who needed them in the subways right before the waning days of her race against Congressman Zeldin when he was gaining ground el rapido in the polls. That money runs out on June 20th. There will be no more overtime. The numbers of police officers will now go down to a very sub-dangerous level of 32,000. To put it into perspective, it got down to about 34,000 in the worst days of David Dinkins when we were the murder capital of the world, the crime capital of the world. And uh, as you have heard extensively here at WABC, there is a movie out called Gotham receiving a lot of good attention. It's a documentary about how one Peter Valone Sr., a moderate Democrat, Speaker of the Council, came together with David Dinkins and said, we need a special tax. And they called it Safe, Safe Street, Safe City. And it appropriated enough money to recruit, train, vet, and graduate 6,000 more cops so that when Rudy was sworn in in 1993, and Rudy will be the first to acknowledge he could not have saved the city had he not had those additional 6,000 cops. Now we're going to be down to 32,000. As I explained on Thursday, you have a Democratic councilwoman on the North Shore of Staten Island. Her name, Camelia Hanks. She is the author of a study for the city council, most of whom hate police. They want to defund the police even more than the billion dollars that Comrade Bill de Blasio and his lapdog police commissioner at that time, Dermot Shea, removed from the budget. None of it has ever been put back. Uh, Camelia Hanks is advising that they reduce the size of the police department by an additional 2,000 members which will put us in the danger zone. Now, remember, she's a Democrat on the North Shore. She wants to reduce the police department by 2,000 more members. She's got her name on this study. And uh, the Republicans on Staten Island don't want to run a Republican against her. They want their line to remain empty. Over my dead body, we're going to qualify a Republican to run. This is an outrage she hates cops. She wants to reduce the police officers that have already been reduced to 34,500. So the idea here is that once again, we're going to bring in a PR agency, friends of Eric Adams, no doubt in Hollywood, and they're going to create these fabulous PR campaigns that are going to nourish the ranks of the NYPD. Never going to happen. Never going to happen because 
Any young man or young woman seeking law enforcement as a career knows that when you join the NYPD, you are rendered impotent. It's like immediately you become a eunuch. You are incapable of functioning as a police officer. In fact, for many, maybe the only reason you get involved is you can earn some experience and then be recruited away as so many are right now. So that's where that stands. Then all of a sudden you had the schmuck to parts Chuck E. Cheese Schumer who acts like he knows everything about nothing, which he knows. And he has a major press conference yesterday, as he does every Sunday. Now, you would think Noam Layden and Flippin would ask him questions. He never gets asked questions. He just recites what he has written on a piece of paper. All the press corps, they're like seals. Hey, Chuck, thanks for giving us some headlines for tomorrow's newspapers and for tonight's uh, news on Sunday night bleeding into Monday And this is what this Herkimer jerk had to say. Xylazine is a deadly, skin-rotting drug. The drug, when injected, can cause severe wounds to the skin, all the way to the bone. Now, who are we going to blame this on, Chuck? Are we going to blame this on the Red Chinese? Are we going to blame this on the Mexicans? You know, this reminds me back in the 1980s and 1990s when we had a plague of what was called angel dust. What would happen is you would take a normal cigarette, let's say a Marlboro Red, and you would dip it into like formaldehyde, and then you would smoke it. Uh, And in many instances, it was a combination of a psychedelic along with a tranquilizer, and you would wig out. And people knew it, and they would go around, and they would say, hey, I want PCP. I want angel dust. I don't want just marijuana. I want angel dust. I want PCP. And the problem was intense from the 80s to the 90s, and now it's making a comeback. But the big drug on the street corners that's being dealt is Trank. It's animal tranquilizer, of which we need. Vets need that when they're dealing with your pets or other animals or animals on farms uh, or animals in need of medical care, and they have to tranquilize them before uh, committing to any... uh, Uh, procedures that might require doing invasive procedures like they would on a human being. And when you go to Kensington and Somerset, which is the worst open-air market for drug dealing in the United States, Somerset and Kensington, it's been this way for years. It's like dawn of the dead, zombies roaming about. They're shooting drugs into their neck, into their toes, into anywhere they could find a vein. They're popping pills. They're doing speed. They have uh, fake Adderall. You name it. They ingest it. They smoke it. They toot it. They beam themselves up to Scotty with uh, crack cocaine in a glass pipe. It is a, a, a sea of drug addicts. So what was the drug that they were requesting uh, about two months ago? Trank. Again, not manufactured in Red China. I know we want another reason to go to war against Red China. I'm sure Lindsey Graham will say Trank is created in laboratories in Red China or in the jungles of Mexico near the border with Guatemala. They'll come up with something. But, ladies and gentlemen, do you finally get it? We are our own worst enemy going back to the 1960s. We have created this insatiable appetite Americans want drugs legal, and they want them illegal. And if there's a new drug in the marketplace, addicts will go and request it from their dealers. I'm telling you right now, on heroin lines on 125th Street, 
up in Washington Heights. They are going up to their dealers and they're saying, man, I don't want a pee, pee bag of uh, heroin. I don't even want fentanyl, which is the rage. I want trank. And guess what? It's called supply and demand. The addicts demand trank, and those that sell the dealers will go out and find it. And this is all manufactured in the United States, right? All manufactured in the United States. So can I hear that again? The schmuck to punch Chucky G. Schumer acting like, you know, he's got boots on the ground. Xylazine is a deadly skin rotting drug. The drug, when injected, can cause severe wounds to the skin all the way to the bone. So you don't think addicts know this? You don't think they've talked about it? This is what they do 24-7-365. They boost products. They go and they shoplift. They steal whatever they can to get their high. And they exchange information. And I'm telling you, it's animal tranquilizer, right? And this is what they want on the streets. They're telling their dealers, man, I want trank. What the hell are you going to do about it, Chuck Schumer? Absolutely Jack Diddley squad nothing. How about just saying, America, stop using these drugs. America has created the insatiable appetite to use drugs. America has been at fault since the 60s. We're always blaming somebody else. Who are we going to blame for Trank, right? It's like Ebola, the flesh-eating virus that came out of the Congo and Africa, and now we're going to blame somebody else for somebody who's strung out on drugs, who goes to their drug dealer? And wants Trank, let's get over this and deal with the problem because it's right here in the U.S. of A. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. Classic deliverance. So good. So good. Dueling banjos. You know, I can equate this to what's been going on with Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. For a long time, Donald Trump was just firing away without any response whatsoever. What the hell is that uh, voice there? Down to Avery. Driver, you understand? Uh, yeah, hey, Justin Ellick, uh, you, you send us cuts with guys talking Driver underneath it. This is the second cut this uh, this hour that I, I can't believe. And, and the music, and the music, because it's clear that this hasn't been thoroughly processed and done right. You know, I, I, I can't get any angrier. It's right after my 69th birthday. I've been doing this 35 years. And I got to check, double check, triple check. Everything after 35 years. If I leave it to the news department, I get the wrong cut. If I leave it to Justin Alec, I get music with these hillbillies talking underneath it. Oh, and it would have worked so well, ladies and gentlemen. But what the hell? They're all busy. I got podcasts to do. I got I got to scratch my belly. I got to pleasurize myself under the table. Well, go ahead. Pleasurize yourself. Let's get down to it. And what would have been the perfect opportunity to have dueling banjos and then come in with Trump versus DeSantis. As you know, DeSantis has held his fire for a long time. Ron D. Sanctimonious, Meatball Ron, all of the typical uh, aspersions 
that uh, Donald Trump was hurling his way, as he has had to every one of his adversaries, real or perceived. And then with Piers Morgan, DeSantis realized that he couldn't be Mr. Nice Guy, eventually enter the race and go to the Caucasoid caucuses in Iowa and then up to uh, New Hampshire and then to South Carolina and begin the process because after that, it speeds up el rapido. As we can see, former President Donald Trump has a hardcore base of supporters. Look, they all came out to uh, Waco. The last time uh, we ever had anything of that significance happening in Waco, it was the Wackles in Wacos, David Koresh, the Branch uh, Davidians, and then Janet Reno, Attorney General for Bill Clinton at that time, uh, invading the compound. And I say rightfully so. But put that aside. Then the second coming of Waco is when Bobby Knight was recruited for Texas Tech. I think it was the Red Roosters, uh, Lou. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he was the Donald Trump of college basketball for many years, having made his bones first with the uh, <coughs> United States Army at West Point, and then, as you know, a Hoosier in Indiana, and then Texas Tech. But boy, it was a big rally, big rally on Saturday, uh, very Trump-esque. In fact, it reminded me of the time that he flew to Alabama. And waiting there in the Iron Bowl in Birmingham, this is where they play the traditional Auburn versus Alabama game that the whole state of Alabama waits for once a year. There's about 30,000 people in the stadium. Really good turnout for then Donald Trump candidate 2016 against like 17 other Republicans. And waiting on stage was the U.S. Senator of Alabama, uh, Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, who was the first major elected official to support Donald Trump. And as soon as Trump, he circled the stadium in Air Trump, landed at a nearby airport in Birmingham, was whisked into the stadium. He gets up on the stage and there Jeff Beauregard Sessions, who soon was to become the attorney general and clash with Trump, put on the Make America Better red cap that Donald Trump had as his signature paraphernalia during his initial run where he beat Hillary Rodham Clinton. And it was classic Trump. Well, that's exactly what happened with the huge gathering in Waco, Texas, where Air Trump came, circled the crowd, landed at the airport. That's right where the rally was being held. And then Donald Trump walked in and to uh, Andrea Bocelli singing Hallelujah uh, to a number of other songs. He was uh, greeted by the uh, crowd as the political Mashiach. Although I noticed Louis wasn't wearing the traditional red hat, making America great once again. I thought he, he, he it's better when he's got the hat, especially when the wind was blowing. It was a little gusty wind and his hair's flying in all different directions. And he was a little bleached out against the background of the crowd. I'm sure they'll adjust that. But he... He had, I mean, he went on for like two hours. It was like Fidel Castro-esque. It was like uh, out of the days of Screwy Louis Farrakhan when he could go on for four hours. But they reached that certain point where Donald Trump zeroed in on his main adversary in his Republican campaign to get the nomination, Ron DeSantis, and he bounced these lines off the crowd in Waco, Texas. Donald Trump. I'm a loyalist, and, and when a man comes to me, tears in his eyes, he's at almost nothing in the polls. 
And he's fighting somebody that's at 42, and he's got almost $30 million in the bank. He's at almost nothing. He's got no cash. And I said, I can't give you an endorsement. There's no way you can win. You're dead. But I saw him, so he came, and he really wanted. I said, you can't win, can you? How do you can win? Sir, if you endorse me, I'll win. Please. Please, sir, endorse me. And I said, all right, let's give it a shot, because honestly, the Secretary of Agriculture, Adam Putnam, good man, but I never met him. I didn't know him. So I don't feel guilty about it. You know, if you don't know somebody, I wish I knew him, actually. You want to know the truth? I wouldn't have done this. Trump tells great yarns. He really spins a very good yarn. But if you notice, this was the one time the crowd was very sedate. They didn't just immediately uh, begin clapping and shouting and hollering, you know, when he mentioned his other Republican adversaries. No, they were very quiet. Now, this was uh, Ron DeSantis deciding he's no longer going to be Jeb Bush. That would be a disastrous replay of 2016. So he chose the forum with Piers Morgan. What do you think of the differences? Well, I mean, I think there's a few things. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the approach to COVID w- was different. I mean, you know, I would have fired somebody like Fauci. Uh, I think that he got way too big for his britches, and I think he did a lot of damage. Uh, I also think just in terms of my approach to leadership, you know, I get personnel in the government who have the agenda of the people and share our agenda. If you bring your own agenda in, you're gone. We're just not going to have that. So the way we run the government, I think, is no daily drama, Focus on the big picture and put points on the board. And I think that that's something that's very important. That's jabbing. That's jabbing. Like here in a heavyweight championship fight, he gets out there in the middle of the ring with Trump, who can throw haymakers, left hooks, right crosses. And he just jabs, jabs, jabs. Well, here is Donald Trump finishing his uh, criticism of Ron DeSantis before that huge crowd in Waco, Texas over the weekend. And listen again, almost no response. To his critique. So what happened is, I said, let's give it a shot, Ron. And I endorsed him, and he became like a rocket ship. Within one day, the race was over. He got the nomination. But I did rallies for Ron that were massive rallies, and they were very successful. So we got him the nomination. We then got him the election. He said, I don't think I can make it. Remember one thing. Florida was tremendously successful under Rick Scott. Whether you like him or not, Charlie Crist, it was very successful. He was a Republican at the time. But Florida has been successful for decades. In fact, probably as or more successful than it is now. But when a man, you know, you get him elected, and there's no quid pro quo. So he gets the nomination because of you. He wins the election because of you. Two years later... The fake news is up there saying, will you run against the president? Will you run? And he says, I have no comment. I say, that's not supposed to happen. I have no comment. First of all, Charlie Chris, really Donald Trump, Charlie Chris. First of all, you wouldn't jump in a hot tub with Charlie Chris because you don't know how he identifies uh, with what sexuality that day. Here's a guy who uses man tan out of a can. Come on. And yet, notice the crowd was quiet. They applauded all of his other critiques, all of his other whimsical analyses of potential uh, candidates uh, who are adversaries in the future. The crowd did not, they did not want him 
hitting Ron DeSantis. But Ron DeSantis has opted, I cannot be a Jeb Bush. I cannot be a punching bag for uh, Donald Trump. So again, he's tried out lines on Piers Morgan. What is your favorite nickname that Trump's given you so far? Is it Ron, Ron the Sanctimonious or Meatball Ron? <laughs> well, I can't. Uh, Even he went off Meatball Ron. I, but. I can't. Uh, I don't know how to spell the Sanctimonious. <laughs> I don't really know what it means, but I, you know, I kind of like it's long. It's got a lot of vowels. I mean, so we go with that. That's fine. You know, you can call me, you can call me whatever you want. I mean, just as long as you, you know, also call me a winner. Uh, it was a nice start to changing direction to being, uh, critical of Trump without totally going bare knuckles. And I understand that he is hunkered down with his potential future campaign team when he announces his run for the Republican nomination in Tallahassee. Uh, but this is to be continued. Now, the guy who was like a Siamese twin to Donald Trump was BB in Israel. Uh, BB was Donald Trump light in Israel because he was more guarded in his criticism, but you punch BB and he would punch back. And that's exactly what he did upon getting reelected for like the ninth, 10th time as prime minister of Israel. That's why there should be term limits, right? Come on, BB time to hang it up. So he decided uh, that he was going to flex his electoral muscle and take on the judicial power, which, It's far stronger in Israel than it is here in the balance of power in the United States with the United States Supreme Court, uh, the judicial separated from the executive, separated from the legislative. I acknowledge that. But today, with many Israelis out in the streets again, with a general strike across the nation, which is the size of New Jersey, where there are only 8 million people, he blinked. Bibi blinked. But he had time to criticize Trump for having a sit-down with Kanye West, the anti-Semite who all of a sudden over the weekend decided, you know, I've had second thoughts about Jews. I think I like Jews too, right? Oh, my God, what a screwball he is. And Trump, who still is very bitter towards BB because when Joe Biden was declared the winner of the presidential election in 2020, BB did what every international leader should have done. And wish good luck to the new president of the United States. So that sideline battle continues like two scorpions in a brandy glass, Trump and B.B. But today, B.B. blinked. And that means they put on pause their attempt as the ruling government in Israel to change the judicial power arrangement. Remember, once before, they had a popular vote for their prime minister. They wanted to change up slightly. They elected Ariel Sharon, and then they went back and said, no, no, that's for America. We're going to just continue with our parliamentary form of government. (laughs) Up next is Sid Rapp. Oh, my God. Sid Rosenberg was crowing, crowing. He was quelling that he had taken me off of being suspended. But if you were listening this morning, as you should every Monday, Friday, excuse me, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7.05, man, I was throwing left hooks and right crosses at Sid Rosenberg. Check this out. It's the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about. This is the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. 
They would have been perfect as a musical segue. Stormy Daniels sitting in the front uh, porch parlor with the red light on, the way prostitutes would function years and years ago. But this was not the intro to my appearance this morning at 7.05 with Sid and friends, nor on Wednesday at 7.05 or Friday 7.05. Let's see if uh, Sid keeps to his agreement. But this is what I had to say right out of the box coming off of my suspension. By the way, Tone Loke, what about Roxanne? Why didn't you come in with Roxanne? Yeah. So pertinent to Stormy Daniels and Trump. <laughs> yeah. Come on, conflate the music. What am I, a schlub? What am I, a schmentric? Exactly. It's the way you get treated. And naturally, coming off of my 69th birthday yesterday, March 26th, man, that, that, that stung. Get it? Sting, right? Okay. Then, uh, <laughs> Sid, it, it, this was the homoerotic moment of Sid with his many friends. I couldn't believe what Sid said about Dick Morris. Dick oh, Morris. you know, it's funny. I saw Dick Morris on Friday across the street. Um, I wanted to say hello to a buddy of mine, and Dick Morris was there. And he goes up to me, Dick Morris, and he goes, you know, every time I see you, I wonder to myself, what else can you possibly do throughout the day than work out? Like, I'm so big, uh, like a superhero to Dick Morris. I'm like, I'm not that big, Dick. He goes. So he, he was outside across the street? No, he was inside. Okay. So I went to see a, a friend okay, of mine there, so. and he was getting ready to go on TV, you okay. know. And he was like, I, I, he was amazed by my body, I guess. Is Dick he, Morris. He... Yeah, I, I think Sid, for the moment, wasn't thinking of the homoerotic tone of that conversation, how big I was. Dick Morris wanting to feel my muscles. Uh, notice Sid wouldn't even mention Newsmax because that's where Dick Morris does some of his work for Newsmax. Uh, Sid didn't even want to mention that uh, as if we wouldn't know where he uh, has a rendezvous with Dick Morris. Uh, I advise Sid Rosenberg, don't get in the hot tub with Dick Morris because Dick Morris has gone for toots for Sid Rosenberg. He is infatuated with Sid Rosenberg. And then I got on Sid because he was on with Brian Kilmeade on his national Fox show on the weekend. And it was about, believe it or not, Oreo cookies. What the hell was that? You're sitting there with Brian Kilmeade and Judy DeAngelis, and you're unscrewing Oreo cookies? Hold on a second. First of all, Judy DeAngelis was the voice on 1010 Wins for about 50 years. That's, that's who no, was there. This was Jackie D'Angelo. No, no, it was she Judy I know Judy D'Angelo. <laughs> Don't tell me. This was Jackie. It was I, Judy yeah, D'Angelo. See, he tried to change the conversation. He didn't want to address the fact that he stole all the Oreos. He, he snored all the Oreos after the segment. And then finally, didn't even mention my birthday and why he wasn't at the Grand Palace, the largest Chinese-American catering hall in North America where I was honored yesterday. And then I went to the Golden Imperial Palace, the biggest Chinese catering <laughs> hall in New York. Surprise birthday for Curtis Lewa with Lester Chang, who you've had on the uh, the assemblyman there. Our birthday's March 26th. Well, happy birthday. I know it was your birthday this weekend. Lester Chang actually came? Yeah. Well, he was there. Oh, that's a big By deal. By the way, so there are hundreds of Chinese. You know how they love to gamble. 
So they're taking side action. What month, what day this year do we think he's going to get whacked? I kid you not. Yeah. And who knows if any of Sid's many friends know exactly what day has been pinpointed on the calendar to execute that thought. To be continued.